0: Well, good morning, church. It's always a blessing for us to be together. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us online as well. We're continuing this morning in our study, our our journey through the Gospel of Matthew. And I I want to remind you, before we look at the the section of the story we're going to focus on together this morning, I want to remind you of of something we focused on together last week. And it's, it's this idea, right, that Jesus did not come to show the church how to become some impressive religious institution filled with those who have it all figured out. Instead, he, he came to show the church how to become both a people and a place where mercy and grace can always be found by those who need it most. And, and we talked about the, the truth that sometimes we, we forget about ourselves, or at least I, I sometimes forget that, that I'm always, we are always, all of us, the people who stand most in need of God's mercy and grace. That, that it's not like the, the church should be this community where we are constantly image managing and figuring out how to how to impress other people with our abilities to follow the, the rules and the regulations of our religious tradition that's based on Jesus, absolutely. But the whole point of this community is not for us to be really good at pulling off the, the religious aspect of church. It's about us figuring out how to be a community, a family of faith where no matter what our struggles are, we, we find that that This is the place where God speaks to us once again of the mercy that Jesus comes to this earth and lives and dies and rises again for all of us to get to experience. This is not the hour and a half where you and I pretend like we have it all together. This is supposed to be a sanctuary, a safe place in an unsafe world where we are reminded that it's okay that this past week, whatever you did, that you know doesn't line up with the heart of God, or, or whatever it is you didn't do that you should have done, that God had asked you to do, that, that your moral performance last week, it's not what earns you access into this, this place. It's rather simply God's grace filled invitation to come once again and to, to remember once again that this isn't made possible through our goodness. It's made possible through the goodness, the love, the patience, the compassion of Jesus, and he always invites us. He always calls us back. You know, we, we talked about last week the fact that, that Jesus decides to call Matthew, this tax collector, this person who a lot of his neighbors would have seen as a, as a traitor because he was working with the, the occupying Roman army and, and collecting taxes from, from the people that that lived on either side of him, and and how not just would they feel like he's a traitor, but they they wouldn't ever be happy to see him coming, that that that's the person Jesus calls to be one of his disciples because he needs people to understand. He doesn't call Matthew because because Matthew has something inside of him that that has impressed Jesus with his ability to, to be good on his own, but instead Jesus sees a goodness in him that maybe Matthew himself has forgotten. That Jesus sees the goodness that God has placed there. And he calls to that goodness. He calls to Matthew and says, you know what? You know deep down that life's not just about doing whatever you have to do and selling out your neighbors so that you can make a buck. Life is about belonging. Life is about community. Life is about realizing that there's always a place at the table for someone like me. Someone like you. Well, Jesus does more than call disciples to share life with him, he also sends his disciples out to the people who don't have, what, whatever it is, whether it's they, they don't have the energy it takes or, or they're too distracted, they have too much going on, whatever it is that's keeping them from coming to Jesus, Jesus says, I'm not just going to sit back and wait for them to find their way here. I want people to go out and find them. And so we're going to continue reading this morning, this time in Matthew chapter 10, starting in verse 5. For Jesus calls the twelve to him, and then he he sent the twelve out. And he commanded them, don't go among the Gentiles or into a Samaritan city. Go instead to the lost sheep, the people of Israel. Now, I want to quickly say to you that by the time you get to Matthew 28, Jesus is saying, go into all the world, go into every nation. But because of the special covenant relationship that God has had with the people of Israel from from way back in Genesis, Jesus says, look, they've always been my covenant people and I want them to have the first opportunity to realize who I am and what I'm doing And so go to them first. He's not saying that that the mission won't eventually include the Gentiles and the Samaritans. He's just at the point in his ministry where he wants to give the covenant people of God that focus first. But he continues and he says, As you go, make this announcement. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And then do this. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with skin diseases, and throw out demons. You received without having to pay. Therefore, give without demanding payment. Workers deserve to be fed, so don't gather gold or silver or copper coins for your money belts to take on your trips. Don't take a backpack for the road or two shirts or sandals or a walking stick. Whatever city or or village you go into, find somebody in it who's open to you and stay there until you go on your way. And, And when you go into a house, say, peace. Right? Speak a word of blessing. If the house is open to you, give it your blessing of peace. But if the house isn't open to you, take back your blessing. If anyone refuses to welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet as you leave that house or city. I assure you that it will be more bearable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on Judgment Day than it will be for that city. Now, Jesus says to them, look, there's a lot of people out there that either haven't heard of what I'm doing or who I am or they, they haven't found their way to, to come here. I don't, I don't want them to miss out, so go and, then, and make this, this announcement, right? Say that the kingdom of God is breaking in. Say that the kingdom of God is coming close to them, that if they'll open their hearts, if they'll open their their eyes to see it, they'll realize that something new is on the scene, something is is happening that wasn't happening before I got here, that God has found a way to step in to human life, everyday life, the ups and downs, the good and the bad, the the struggles and the weaknesses we have, and he says, I'm with you, I'm for you, I wanna do whatever I can to help you have the life I created you to live a life of blessing and wholeness and goodness. So tell them that they may have so much going on that they haven't actually paid enough attention to see it, but I'm here, which means the kingdom is here. They have to open their hearts. They have to embrace it, but it's here. Now, what I think is really important for us to realize is that He doesn't say, just keep going all over the place saying that the kingdom's here, and that's the end of it. You prove it. Because the kingdom is not just about proclaiming something, it's about doing something. Something for people through God's power in someone's life that they could never do on their own. And so Jesus gives them this sense of exactly what kind of demonstration needs to go along with the proclamation that the kingdom's breaking in. And I think it's really important for us to bear in mind that all of this is given to people who've been sent out, right? They've been sent on a mission. Jesus didn't say, I want you to, to set up shop and, and, you know, set up a sign and, and maybe have a place where everybody knows where you are and and do these kinds of things, and just trust that they'll, they'll all find their way to you. No, know, this is all about this mission where they're going out, and that is central to who they're going to be, right? They, they don't sit back and wait. They go, and I think that's really important for us listening to this 2,000 years later, and I realize that you and I are not apostles. That that the words that Jesus is speaking here to the 12 in some ways are are first and primarily meant for them. But there's a reason that Matthew includes it for all of us to hear, because he believes as one of the 12 that this mission that Jesus sent them on 2,000 years ago has a lot to do with the mission that Jesus is still sending us on now, in this place, in this time, in this community. And I think it's really important for us to understand then that as Eric mentioned You know, the Christians were not originally called the people who had buildings and names on the buildings. They were called the way. Because they were going. They were always going. And the temptation is to stop and set up shop, settle in, and decide that if people really need us, they'll find us. But we are not called to build the kingdom on the earth, as much as we're sent out to share the kingdom of heaven with the world, and those look different. By the way, you know how often people just casually say that whatever the church is doing, doesn't matter what it is, because it's church stuff that we're doing, we'll act like, well, whatever this is, it's building the kingdom. We don't build the kingdom. Have you ever heard people talking like we expand the kingdom? We, we don't expand the kingdom. The kingdom is God's. It's real and it's true and it's here. We either are aware of that and we get to experience that, we get to participate in it, or we don't. And it's really dangerous, brothers and sisters, when we equate the stuff the church is doing with building the kingdom. Because that kind of imagery has to do with, well, you've got borders and you've got gates and people get in or they can't get in or, or you know, we know that, that it's the kingdom because we're the ones who are responsible for it. And there's at least two ways that that needs to make us uncomfortable. The first thing is, I have seen churches, I have been a part of churches where we just casually call everything we do kingdom work When there are things that we're either doing or failing to do that have nothing to do with the kingdom of God, they have to do with our kingdom aspirations. We gotta be real careful to just assume that every single thing we do as a church is in line with God's heart and is a part of God's kingdom. Now, we are called to share the good news and and to share the experience of the kingdom breaking in, but it's not some some place on the earth that we get to call our own and we defend it against all comers, all people who might challenge us. Or We're not, we're not into building things, brothers and sisters. We're supposed to be into sharing everything. But man, it is so tempting. The second you use a word or an image like kingdom to start thinking, oh, how do we build it? How do we grow it? How do we expand it? How do we... We don't grow the kingdom as as much as we help people wake up to the fact that it's right there. It's already there. Too many times in my life, I mistake the version of God's kingdom I want for myself for the real thing. And too often, I set out to build God's kingdom when what I'm really trying to do is expand my own. This isn't my, ki- I, the, the kingdom of God does not belong to the church. The church belongs to the kingdom. And we've got to have the humility to realize Jesus describes it really clearly. What does it look like? It doesn't look like the traditional trappings of North American Christianity where we're trying to impress people with all the resources that, that we have and, and, and all of the impressive shiny stuff that we can slap our name on. It looks like people going out and finding folks who don't know that God is here, that God is for them, that God is with them, and saying, the kingdom is drawing close to you, let me show you. And I want us, brothers and sisters, to be less concerned with building up all the things that we might like to see our church be and do. And I realize, dreaming for the church and hoping, it's a great thing, as long as we're hoping and dreaming in ways that, that God says, you know what, I hope and dream that too. I, I want to see those things happen too. But brothers and sisters, if we set out to do things that God's not interested in, it's not going to happen. I mean, we may be able to try to force it for a little while on our own energy and, our, and using our own resources, all that stuff, and convince ourselves this is what God wants us to do. But the reality is what God wants us to do is really, 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 really simple. We find people who don't know that the kingdom's here, and then we show them that it is. Now, what Jesus ends up basically doing here is saying, okay, when you go on on the trip, these are the rules for the road, right? This is is what you're supposed to do. If you want people to believe it, not just take it on your word that the kingdom is close to them and breaking into their life and, and that God's there and that God's ready to to do exactly what they need God to do for them to have the kind of life they were created to have, then here's how, how you do it. These are the rules for, for that kind of journey. And I, I basically, if you look at all the things he says, you can kind of put them together in a, in a very direct list of here's what you do and here's what you don't do. Right? You heal the sick, you raise the dead, you embrace outcasts, you cast out the demons, you give without demanding, you travel light and ask for help, and you don't take rejection to heart. Now, I wish it was as easy to apply as it was to say it. And I wish it took the same amount of time. Now, I want you to notice here that heal the sick, raise the dead, embrace the outcasts, cast out the demons. That's exactly what the 12 have been able to witness Jesus doing in Matthew 8 and 9. He's done all those things right in front of them. And my guess is when he was doing these amazing things, they were really impressed with it, and they thought, man, we have really found the right rabbi to follow, because he is, what he's able to do with God's help is amazing. I'm not sure they expected him to turn around and say, okay, now you do it. And don't you think we have the same struggle we read these amazing things that Jesus does in people's lives and, and he heals the sick and he raises the dead. And he embraces outcasts and he casts out demons and we think, man, I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have seen it. And Jesus is saying, what do you mean you wish you could have been there and you wish you could see it? Go do it. Do the same things that I have shown you not just that I can do, but that I've shown you that it's possible with God's presence and with God's power. And when you're on God's mission and you're sharing God's kingdom, this is what it looks like. This is what it feels like. This is what it means for people. Now, If you think about healing the sick and raising the dead and bracing outcasts, cast out the demons, what Jesus is basically saying is, I don't care what it is that's hurting them. I don't care what it is that's breaking their hearts and their spirits. I don't care what it is that's wounding them. Whatever it is, deal with it. Name it. Ask God to deliver those people from it. Offer yourself as the way God is going to deliver them from whatever it is that's hurting them or harming them or deforming their souls. Whatever it is that people are hurting from, the kingdom of God rescues them from it. And too often, again, I think churches decide well, here's the the struggles, here's the problems, here's the situations that we're most comfortable figuring out on our own how we're going to fix. Here's our list. Here's the things we'd like to do. Here's the kingdom work we've cooked up. And God says, I don't, I have no interest in your partial lists. I don't care what it is that's wrong with people. The gospel is for them. And the gospel speaks into whatever it is that they're struggling with. And if that means you need to speak into it, then that means that's exactly what I'm calling you to do. Too often, I hear people want to separate what we call spiritual problems from physical problems and act like the church is responsible for saving people's souls while they're starving in their bodies. And Jesus would say, why in the world would you try to separate people into souls and bodies when the reality is we, would, we, we should be, we are called to be those who feed both the, the spirit and the body. That we don't just notice that people are struggling and pray about it, but we pray about it and then we do something about it with God's help. This is not about us doing things that we think that, that, that makes sense, that we think we've got a handle on. This is us intentionally putting ourselves in situations where if God doesn't work through us, it's not going to work. And I don't know about you, but I'll just be honest, I'm risk-averse. I don't like to get in situations where there's a high probability that I'm going to fail unless God shows up. But that's exactly where God has called us to go. This isn't just the mission for the 12, this is the mission for the church. Whatever it is that's hurting people, we should care about it. Ask questions about it. Pray about it, yes, but then do what God gives us the ability to do, whatever it is. And look, I realize, we, we may feel like, okay, heal the sick, we can, we can try to do that, but raise the dead? Look, we live in a world that's driven by fear of death, we're obsessed with it. Everybody in our world's constantly trying to figure out how they're going to either not have to think about it or cheat it or 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 you know, change the channel or do something else. We are people are constantly driven by the fear that this is all there is. And if somebody they love gets sick and we pray for them and they don't get better, that somehow God isn't being faithful. But the reality is that whether we have to experience an earthly death or not death because of Jesus is never the end and it never has the kind of power we we always want to give it death is something that Jesus says I'm going to rescue I'm going to deliver I'm going to set you free from the worst thing you can imagine you don't have to be afraid you don't have to be afraid now, if the church, if we could not just talk about that, but if we could walk alongside of people as they're going through the valley of the shadow of death and we can be the living reminders to them that this is not the end, that even if God doesn't raise the person they love in, in the time frame that they want or, or in the way that they want, that we keep telling them the truth that we have a God who helps people experience a life not just after death, but beyond it. Man, in a world that thinks that that's all there is and that that has the ultimate power, you don't think that's, that's a message? That's an aspect of the kingdom of God that people are desperate to hear and believe and experience? Embracing the outcast. Church, I'm just going to be honest. Too often we sometimes get caught up in choosing sides and and deciding that some people we're gonna love and we're gonna embrace and other people have messed things so much up in their lives that we don't have any responsibility anymore to help them experience the embrace of God. Let me tell you something, if the church is going the places it's supposed to go, if we're walking alongside of the people we should be, not just reaching out to, but restoring them to community. We have to be the people who when in our world someone starts Name-calling. When, when, when a group of people says, you know what, we're going to reject this entire class of people because of this, this thing about them that we can't understand or we feel threatened by or whatever it is. Look, if we're not afraid of death, how can we be afraid of differences? The church better be the place where if there's no other group that, that you can imagine... If if there's no other place, if there's no no experience of home in somebody's life, we better figure out how how we're going to heal that isolation. How we're going to take it apart and we're going to put those broken pieces of our society and the people all back together again. I feel like too often the church just decides, you know, it's not so much that we want to tear down those walls and we want to help all the people be connected again. We get we, we caught up in saying, can we have a turn at naming the, the outcasts and make sure that it's the right term? Or, or can we make sure that we, we're clear on this, that here's the dividing line? It's not over here. It's, it's the, we, we can accept these people, it's these people that we're just really not sure about anymore. That's not kingdom work. We may, we may do that as church people, but it's not kingdom work. Kingdom work puts people back together again when we don't know, we, we can't figure it out. We, we don't know the way, but we trust that Jesus is the way for us to place people back into community. And, and I know, when we read the Gospels, we see demons constantly speaking through people or, or causing people to do things that, that they would never choose to do on their own and that those demons end up running into Jesus and every time he encounters one of them, he sets those people free from whatever it is that that has enslaved them spiritually. And I know we look at people in our world and we just don't see, especially in our culture, we, we just don't tend to notice the ways that the forces of darkness are working on our fellow brothers and sisters around us. But if we're honest... Don't you think we look around and see spiritual slaves in every direction? And Jesus says, you don't look at that and decide, well, whatever it is that's enslaving them, it's, it's so challenging that, it, that you don't need to take it on, right? You just, just hope that it'll, it'll, it'll go away or, or they'll figure their way out of that, that maze that they're trapped in on their own. No, we, we have the courage to walk into the darkest places of people's lives and say, let there be light. It's not our light. It's never been our light. It's God's light, and we shine that light, not like some sort of interrogation light, but like, like the first rays of light that break through the clouds after a storm that you weren't sure you were going to make it through. Whatever it is that's devouring somebody's vitality in their hearts, whatever it is that's tearing them to pieces, we say, we're not afraid of that. Have you noticed how much of this? It's only possible if you're not afraid. You can't be afraid of getting sick, and you can't be afraid of people who are grieving death, and you can't be afraid of the outcasts, and you can't be afraid of the demons. We are the people who speak into all that and say, God is stronger still. And then we don't go anywhere. We stay there. We journey with them. We walk alongside of them because we have no other better place to be than with them. Now, these last three things I want to briefly say to you. You know, Jesus says, this is what you do. And then he says, this is kind of how you need to carry yourself. The first thing is, all the goodness you have in your life, you didn't pay for it. God just gave it to you freely. So when you do something good for somebody else, it better not be because you're working an angle. It better not because you expect something from them like they owe you. You do good things for them because I've already done good things for you. That's it. This this isn't about making sure that you have an ability in the culture to start calling the shots again. You know, Eric talked about during communion that we can often get obsessed with where's our standing in the world and do we have the same kind of power we used to? We shouldn't be seeking. Worldly power, brothers and sisters, we've already been given the the power of the kingdom of heaven that breaks into the world. That's enough. It's more than enough. It doesn't look like the kingdoms of the world. It doesn't act like the kingdoms of the world, but I promise you, it's the kingdom everybody's been waiting for. If we're going to help, it's because we've been helped. If we're going to love, it's because we're we're being loved. If we're going to show grace, it's because we've, we've constantly had grace poured into our lives through the, the amazing heart of God that has never for one second wanted to give up on you. Of all the things that he says that's hard for me to understand is when he basically says, I'm going to send you on a journey, but I don't want you to take any supplies for the journey. And here's why. It's connected to the idea of you give without expecting, without demanding, right? You you go and you show the undeserved welcome of God. And then you rely on the people that you're going to to welcome you back. Not out of demand, not saying I better get this percentage cut or this is exactly how you better pay me back. But just the mutuality, the, the interdependence, the sense of, you know, I, I want to help you and, and I want to bless you and I trust that you'll take care of my basic needs while, while we're interacting with one another. That, it's, that we both need one another. In the kingdom of God, it's not that you do ministry down to, it's that you always do ministry with and too often, I think we're tempted to, to hold on to that positional power and say, well, we're the ones who have it figured out. and We're the ones who've worked everything out. So we're going to reach down and help these people down here. Brothers and sisters, I don't care where you go to help people who are hurting. God's already there. And God's working in their lives. And you may be one of the, the most important pieces of how God's going to work in their life in the moments that unfold after that. But I'm telling you, if you look for God and grace and mercy in people where you don't expect it, you're going to find it more often then you're going to miss it. Travel light. Ask for help when you need it. Trust that there are people in the world that God has appointed to help you and support you and take care of you. The kingdom's a place of mutual trust, depending on one another, not trying to outgrow one another or the need for one another. And then this is the one I wish all of us could just, the moment that this worship service is over, we could just say, yeah, from now on, I'm gonna decide that when I share the good news of the gospel, when I do whatever I can to help people experience the goodness of the gospel, if they're not ready for it and, and they reject it, I'm not gonna take that rejection to heart. I'm just not, because they're not rejecting me. They're rejecting this opportunity to stop trying to figure out life on their own and and live the the amazing blessed life that God's offering them through Jesus that, that if they're not ready for it, there's nothing I can do to force them to be ready for it and it's not my failure. And so if it doesn't work out the way I expect it to, I'm not gonna give up and decide it's over. I'm just gonna turn to another person and say, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Is there some way I can show you? Over and over and over again until Jesus comes back. The mission, it doesn't have an expiration date. It's not like, well, I'm really glad the 12 did this 2,000 years ago because, man, we'd still have a lot of work left to do if they hadn't. No, we still are called into this same mission. It's every bit as important as it's ever been, and you and I have all kinds of people around us who I think we just assume they're going to find their way to the kingdom. Every single moment that you're awake, The first moment you wake up in the morning, you should be asking yourself, who are you gonna share the kingdom with this day? How are you gonna find a way to help them experience the fact that God is with them and for them and whatever it is they're dealing with, God wants to welcome them in to this community where we're not defined by our wounds, we're defined by the one who was wounded to save us. Look, I I wanna say this to you and and I want you to think about it. I've been wrestling with it all week. And I, I kind of came to it early in the week. And then I thought, no, I don't want to put that on the screen. And no, I don't want to have people quoting it back to me. Because that's always hard, you know, when somebody quotes me back a sermon about three weeks later. And they're like, well, didn't you say? It's like, I don't know. Yes, I said it. And now I'm annoyed at you and me. Here we go. When we're faithful to our role in God's mission, right, when we follow these rules for the road, it looks less like an increasing number of people coming to church and more like the church going to an increasing number of people. That's what the mission of God, that's what it does. And I think because living life on the road is challenging and we'd rather just settle down and stop and build a kingdom of our own, and then call it God's kingdom. We end up losing our place in the mission, not because we mean to, but because we don't realize that what Jesus has called us to is a way, a path, a journey, that the only way we're gonna get to the destination is when he comes back to finally take us all home. But between now and then, there's all these people out there that we cannot give up on, We have to go out and reach them. We have to bring them here and help them experience whatever it is. Heal the sick, raise the dead, embrace the outcasts, cast out the demon. Whatever it is that's enslaving them, they can find freedom here. Not because of us, but because of him. I have a lot of learning left to do. I have a lot of growing left to open myself up to. But what I, I want to confess to you this morning is I want to stop mistaking my kingdom agenda for God's kingdom dreams. I want to be truthful about the difference between what I want and what he wants, what, what I've arranged my life to be and what he says my life can be. And I just, I just want to confess to you, brothers and sisters, I want a Christianity that's way too comfortable. I want, I want to follow Jesus and not have to go anywhere. And, and this story, this chapter of the story, our story reminds us that Christianity, it's not through with us yet. It's not a status, it's not a title, it's a way of life. And whatever we've experienced of it so far, there's so much left for us. There's so many things we haven't yet experienced. There's so many people we haven't yet talked to. There's so many people we haven't partnered with God to save. And we need to embrace that dream again. Uh, I don't know if you know this. Some of you may have heard this, but our our brother Serge Gasore is getting ready to go back to Rwanda where they are living out this mission every single day. They're doing whatever they can to help the, the children and the families that they're encountering, they don't stop and say, well, is this something that we're prepared to help rescue somebody from? If somebody comes to them in need, they just assume that God's going to help them rescue them. And time after time after time, that's exactly what God does. Serge is going back, but Sv and the kids are staying here. Sv's working on, on her nursing degree, and it's going to take a, a number of years. And so Serge is going to be going back and forth. And I just want you to, to hold them in your heart. Serge, Espy, kids, where are you? Can you come up here? Get up here. Actually, you know what? Get right here. I'm normally nicer than this when I have more time. Get, get right here. I don't want us to, to look at the, here. Okay, I don't want us, sorry camera person. I don't want us to read stories like this and think, man, it's ama- the 12 apostles were amazing. And Serge and Espy and the kid, they're amazing. they are people we should be imitating. There are people that are showing us this is still happening. Right? And so I'm going to pray over Serge and their family. And I, if you, I know with COVID and everything, don't, if you have underlying, don't come up, but if you feel comfortable coming up and gathering around them, I'm going to ask you to do it. So get up. If you're willing to, I'm going to hop back up here. Get out of the way. And I don't want us to just pray over them, but I want us, in addition to praying over them, I want our hearts to go with Surge, and I want our hearts to stay with Espy and the kids, and I want us to pray that we will be a church that doesn't just send people on mission, but a church that goes on mission. Okay? Let's bow. God, we thank you so much for this family. We thank you for Surge and Espy and Surge Jr. and Joel and Joella, and we lift all of them up to you. And we thank you for people who remind us that you don't just gather us together, God, but you send us out. You don't ask us to just wait on people who are hurting, but you tell us to go find the people who are hurting and help them experience the truth that the kingdom is breaking in and that it's not ours, it's yours. And God, I am so, every time I spend time talking to Serge about all the things you're doing through. Through his efforts and the efforts of the people, it's, it's far beyond what they could do on their own. And they know it. And we do too. And so we thank you so much for the power that you work through them and for the lives that they touch. And God, I just pray that every person in this church family will hold them in their hearts and will pray that you will continue to bless your mission through them. Help them reach new children. God, help them reach new families. And we pray that the goodness of your love will continue to save and rescue people from all the things that threaten them. God, we thank you for people like Serge and help us not just be impressed with them, but follow their example. It's in his name, your name, excuse me, that I pray. Amen. Okay, you guys can start to slowly, nicely, make your way back to your seats. We're gonna sing together now. Uh, And as we do, I pray that this week, when you think about this moment, it doesn't just jog your memory and think, oh yeah, Serge is going back and and Espy and the kids are here. And by the way, I want us to be a faithful family to them when they're having to be separated by half a world, right? So we need to do a lot more than remember that, Surge is on mission. We need to be on mission here with Espy and the kids. We need to make sure that we're there when they need us. And I'm convinced that, that when we do that, that's, that's the kingdom of God being shared among us. It's not our goodness. It's not our idea. It's God's kingdom happening among us. And I don't want it to just be something we talk about. I want it to be something we live. So as we sing this song, I want you to, to think about the ways in the coming weeks we're going to make sure that we don't just talk a lot about or pray about God's mission, but we find new ways to go on it. Okay, let's stand together now.